Well, John Calipari's seat is flaming hot after a home loss to lowly South Carolina, so hot that the number one ranked recruiting class of 2023 might be in jeopardy if he can't hold on to his job throughout the season. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and I'm thrilled to be joined here today by Leif Tulin of the Locked On NBA Big Board. Leif, we got a lot to discuss today, but we have to start with the disastrous, disastrous home loss in Lexington, Kentucky. John Calipari's squad walked into Rupp Arena and got walked out of the gym by South Carolina. They went up 13 to two and basically maintained a 10 to 15 point lead for the entirety of the game. Kentucky made a little comeback at the end and made things interesting, but it just never felt like they had an opportunity to win against the worst team by far, by far, according to Ken Palm and every other advanced metric. And quite honestly, the eye test far and away the worst team in the SEC. They came away with a victory over Coach Cal and the Wildcats. It's been a disastrous season for Calipari. This is just the kind of feather in the cap of what has been a really rough start of the season. I'm kind of curious your thoughts. If this is like kind of the final straw for Cal or kind of where we're at, because uh, the fan base, they've made it pretty clear. They're pretty unhappy with what's going on right now. I mean, this is a basketball blue blood that was favored by 19 and a half points at Rupp Arena, one of the havens of college yeah. basketball, and they got their doors blown off. I know it was a three-point loss, but mm-hmm. like, to be down 13 to two, like it happens, yeah. you have slow starts. But 13 to two against South Carolina is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I know they got Gigi Jackson as someone who's on, working on the draft side. I mean, yeah. that's an enticing player. However, against Tennessee, who who should be, you know, if you're if you're Kentucky, and you're hosting Tennessee, that's a game. Yeah, like that's that's something. And even then, I think Kentucky would say, like, typically they'd be like, well, I don't care if Tennessee's in the top five. We're favored because we're playing at Rupp. Right. And they've got the talent, too. But Tennessee held Gigi Jackson to zero points, and they beat him by 42. <laughs> and, and Kentucky loses wire to wire. Yeah. This is absolutely, like, it's a calamity. I've never been Calipari's biggest fan. Mm-hmm. In fact, I messed around during the first kind of stint of COVID and and made a thing called the coaches poll where I ranked coaches rather than coaches ranking teams Uh and Calipari was low and I got some backlash for that, but I think he's reached his lowest point. Like there's, there's no, there's no real world that, that Mm -hmm. if you're Kentucky, you're satisfied. You're, you're, you're used to final fours and now you miss the tournament, losing the first round and are in danger of missing the tournament and you get the best recruiting classes in the country coming in next. And that's, Perfect segue to what you were just talking about. Does this jeopardize them getting Robert Dillingham and other superstars mm-hmm. to be? Um, yeah, like, does he go to Texas? I mean, that's the speculation. But if I'm Texas, I'd take a long and hard look. Right. Say, well, what, what do like if he's getting all this talent? Why do I want him? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the that's the biggest question. Is like, co- there's no debate that Coach Cal can recruit. This is I mean, he's been good at this forever. He was good at this as Memphis. He's been good at this throughout his tenure at Kentucky, but the results on the basketball court haven't been great. And lately they've been, I mean, not even not great. They have been straight up bad. Like you said, losing the first round uh, don't, you know, in serious danger of not making the NCAA tournament this year. Like it's been a a really, really messy tenure. And, and for this team looking at it right now, like it's not an issue of talent. 
it's not an issue that they don't have talent on this roster. You know, you can argue whether some of the players are NBA talent or not. Uh, and obviously Oscar Shibway is a great example of that, but he's an extraordinarily talented player. He's a national player of the year player who returned to school and might not make the NCAA tournament. I don't have that figure in front of me, but I can't imagine that happens all that often where a guy comes back to school and might not even make the tournament. That's just ridiculous. You know, you have Jacob Toppin, a great player as well. Uh, obviously severe Wheeler and Cason Wallace, uh, and I know you've had your your complaints about Wheeler and his, his uh, the way that Calipari has used him, but this is a talented roster that has seems to have no unity, no cohesion, uh, and I mean they, their players have talked about that in the media. And at some point, like you have to have a really really long conversation about how much longer do we let this guy coach this team because things are absolutely not working. Uh, I'm curious if there's anything else you're seeing uh, from a coaching perspective that you think is causing this, or if there's any hope for a turnaround, or if it's just kind of a, a lost cause at this point. Yeah, just just something from a tactical standpoint. When I watch Kentucky, you typically have the superior personnel if you look in terms of athleticism and size. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like they do a very good job maximizing mm-hmm. that. They instead rely purely on like bull, like bow guarding someone down low, and like that's mm-hmm. Shibway. He's a he's a man amongst boys. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, Oscar Shibway never sets screens. Like he very rarely sets ball screens. Doesn't mm-hmm. roll the hoop. Wheeler, for all my gripes about him, is a decent passer when he attacks the rim. Like, mm-hmm. why would you not play to your two, like, the ball-dominant player and then your best player's strengths? Right. Um, like DJ Frederick and, and uh, Reeves, they're mm-hmm. good shooters, but they're not great shooters. And, right. like, you can run the same stuff if you have Tyler Hero coming off a pin down, and it won't matter, like, or Devin Booker, because they're going to hit the shot. They're great shooters. Right. These guys aren't of that caliber, but he hasn't tinkered his offense. And this isn't me just saying it because, like, oh, it fits the narrative. But I've watched Kentucky basketball since I've been a little kid, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like a blue blood. You, you, you know what they're going to run, and since Calipari's yeah. been there, um, they've ran the same st- stuff, and you know he's tinkered some stuff better than others with different rosters, but the majority of them have a talented player who fits the role. This yeah. team has the talent, but they don't fit the stereotypical roles of Calipari offenses, mm-hmm. and he hasn't adjusted at all, especially when you've got the national player of the year on your roster, and you're not letting him you do what the – basketball is world's calling for like everyone's setting ball screens it's it's continuity ball screen offense and kentucky's avoiding doing so with their best Mm -hmm. screener Mm -hmm. yeah i I think about i think back to the gonzaga game in particular obviously that that was kind of before we knew kentucky was going to be this Uh, but i remember watching that game and gonzaga had just gotten gashed badly by Texas uh, and by, or no, they hadn't played Purdue yet, but by Texas uh, in the, in ball screen actions. And I'm looking at this Kentucky team thinking, why the hell are they just giving Shibwe the ball in the mid post when he's just, he's not able to do anything. And you've watched, you know, continued to see games from them after that. And it's like, Oh, they're just unwilling to do what most of college basketball is doing. And it's clearly killing them because it's not even playing. It's not only not what the rest of college basketball is doing. It's fine to go against the grain, but you're not even, playing towards your best player's strengths. And that just seems like almost willfully ignorant at some point. Like it's, so you have to just be like, look, look, we need to do something different. And uh, we, we touched on it a little bit. And I want to kind of get into a little bit more leaf about the recruiting class, because you mentioned Robert Dillingham or DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw. I mean, this is all four of those guys are currently ranked in the top 10 for the class of 2023, according to 24 seven sports. Uh, it's really hard to do anything that jeopardizes losing that level of talent coming to your program. But at some point you have to wonder, well, if, if Cal's not getting the best out of the guys we have, and if he's not going to get the best out of these guys coming into the program, at what point do you say, Hey, maybe we do cut ties. Maybe after the season, I doubt there's going to be an, an in season move, although the fan base is getting pretty close to calling for that uh, in Lexington. But I'm curious, like, 
do you just kind of wait it out and hope that you can keep these guys? Do you hope, you know, do you, it's, it's a, it's a tricky situation because that's a lot of talent to risk potentially losing uh, to decommitments. But at the same time, I don't think you can keep going the way you're going. Yeah. There, there are different situations, but this reminds me a little bit of coach K's swan song. Like how mm-hmm. many recruits are going to go there because of coach K or like right. how much has John Shire been recruiting them? And the right. same could be asked of how much has Orlando Antigua, been recruiting mm-hmm. these top guys so if he were to leave would there be a mass exodus of recruits and transfers mm-hmm. or would they be like oh it's kentucky we still got recruited by the same right. guy who's going to be the coach and, and you know that's presumptive on my part um, yeah. i don't know if antigua would necessarily be the coach but that would be my first guess I, I'd, sure. I'd be pretty shocked if he weren't um and now the question becomes okay how much does the system change that recruited me like because mm-hmm. you're going to pitch calipari's system well I, I think they'd be able to retain most of them because they're kentucky NIL is a factor. Kentucky still has the money. If there weren't NIL, I'd be a little more dubious. Um, and I'll, I'll call my shot now. This is this is a little bold. I think Calipari resigns. I don't think they okay. fire him. I think okay. he, he he walks out the door of his own terms. He hears the boo birds calling, mm-hmm. and unless they make some some serious NCAA tournament run, like you know, mm-hmm. kind of of the ilk of their 2014 run as an eight seed, yeah, I, I don't see him coming back to Lexington. But I don't think they're going to boot him out the door as an athletic department. So that's my prediction. I love it. I love it. Well, if we're going to stick with the, the SEC, and we're going to talk about a few more teams that are kind of in the middle of the conference and whether we think they are legit pretenders or contenders. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by Bet Online. College basketball and the NBA are fully in action while the NFL inches closer to the playoffs. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment two here, and I want to sincerely thank all of you who have made Locked On College Basketball your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, Leaf, we're sticking in the SEC. We're going to talk about a handful of teams and dis- discuss whether we think they are pretenders or contenders. Are they serious teams that could end up in, in the Sweet 16 or even in the Elite Eight? Are they teams that are maybe a little bit fraudulent at this point in the season? Um, as we're recording this, uh, we are recording this before a handful of these teams play this evening. We're recording here on Thursday afternoon, uh, or excuse me, on Wednesday afternoon. So uh, a few of the results might be a little bit different, uh, but we're not going to talk about Tennessee and Alabama. I think it's fairly obvious that those teams are at least uh, contenders in some variety. They maybe aren't going to be as good as their current record indicates. Uh, We're not going to talk about the teams at the bottom of the conference, although we already talked about one of them quite a bit uh, in that first segment there in Kentucky. Uh, There's four teams kind of in the middle that I think all have similar records, and I'm curious kind of your thoughts on whether they are legitimate teams or not. The first one I want to talk about is 
the Razorbacks of Arkansas, 12 and three record. Uh, this is again being recorded before the Alabama game that will probably tell us a lot more about this team. Uh, they've lost two of their last three heading into that game. Uh, losses on the road at Auburn and at LSU, which is a pretty rough loss. And then, of course, the big story with the Razorbacks right now, Nick Smith, star freshman guy who was penciled in as a potential third overall pick in the NBA draft, is out indefinitely, hasn't played since mid-December. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on this team right now? Yeah, Arkansas would be uh, a team that I think could make a Elite Eight or Final Four if they were mm-hmm. fully healthy. Mm-hmm. And because they're not, I'm a little skeptical, but they I do see them still as a team that can contend to make in a Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Um, Final Four is difficult, especially if Nick Smith doesn't come back and doesn't come back as what he was billed to be. Trayvon Mm -hmm. Brazil added this element of dynamism and scoring punch off the bench as well as elite athleticism. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing about Arkansas is Musselman, and whether this is a fair assessment or not, because you could spin it either way. Like Mm -hmm. You can always say, like, oh, is those teams get better in March? Well, Musselman's the same way to me like on a lesser scale. Like This team started out pretty poorly last year. Mm-hmm. And once they reached it, went in to play actual teams. They played a very light non-conference. And then everyone was like, oh, okay, now they're being exposed. And then they made the Elite Eight. Right. Uh, this team's more talented than last year's team. And I, I still view them pretty highly. Um, mm-hmm. Statistically, they're they're well represented. They're number 10 in Ken Palm, despite having a one and two start in the SEC. Yeah. And then they play Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, they're ninth in defense and 44th in offense. And I did a podcast with Isaac. Um, mm-hmm. And if you guys will go back to find this. And one of my claims was that teams that can make a Final Four are typically either, I mean, you know, everyone knows the 25, uh, top 25 offense and defensively, and, you know, they're 44th in one of those. But it's, it's their, they have multiple scorers, and yeah. they have ways to disrupt defensively. So if you're top 10 defensively, that checks that billing. Arkansas mm-hmm. has multiple scores, even still, with just yeah. Anthony Black and Ricky Council. So mm-hmm. imagine they get Nick Smith back to full strength or close to it. Um, I, I still believe in that. And Devo Davis is an underrated player. So mm-hmm. long answer. Uh, made short. I, I I do buy the Hogs as a contender. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that too. I think this is a, a very dangerous team. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, continue to respond without Smith and Brazil. But uh, they've they've been pretty solid even without those two guys. And if they can get Smith back, I think they're a pretty dangerous team. Uh, Want to move on to talk about another team uh, that has been uh, a similar record, 13 and two right now. They are playing Texas A&M uh, this evening as we're recording. So uh, we'll see what they how they're able to do against that game. But that is the Missouri Tigers, two and one right now in SEC play, 38th in Ken Palm. Their only losses are at Arkansas and against Kansas. <laughs> Not a bad group of losses for this team to have. Uh, they don't really have any great wins. Uh, they have a win over Kentucky, which does not look particularly good. They have a win over Illinois, which that that win has aged pretty well. Uh, but other than that, not a ton of great wins, not a lot of bad losses, uh, a bit of a, a difficult team to pin down. I'm curious your thoughts on Missouri so far this year. Yeah, Missouri's the one that I had the most difficulty yeah. kind of tabbing as a contender or pretender. Um, I think this team's ceiling is probably the sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if that puts them as a contender or pretender. I'll, I'll say this. I'm a little more dubious because um, I, I'm not the biggest analytics guy, but mm-hmm. you can tell with watching with your eyes that, that they're very good offensively. So that's supported yeah. by Ken Palm. They're third in offensive uh, metrics, but 176th defensively. Oh. So uh, I, I don't buy their sustainable defense. I, I think mm-hmm. they can score. I think they'll protect their home court well. I think yeah. they'll end up with a positive SEC record, maybe pull one or two upsets, mm-hmm. uh, have one one or two losses at home. Mm-hmm. But you watch them play 
against a team like Kansas. And that mm-hmm. was at Missouri. And Kansas may well be the best team in the country right now. Yeah. And they're very experienced and they know how to win. But Kansas, like, plays down to their competition almost sometimes. And I know mm-hmm. this is a former uh, rivalry, the border wars and everything. Yeah. But that said, if you lose by 30 on your home court, I, I can't buy you as a true contender. Yeah. I, granted, Kansas lost by 30 to Kentucky last year and won the national championship. But mm-hmm. I feel like that was a little bit more fraudulent and, and a more of an anomaly than yeah. what it was for Missouri. I think when they play teams that are very steady defensively and make them play in the half court more, such as Tennessee, such yeah. as Alabama won't make them play in the half court, but they're good defensively. They've got the traits to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're going to run into some problems. So can I see them making the Sweet 16? Absolutely. Like when a win a nice 7-10 matchup and then, you know, maybe pull an upset or something like that. But I just don't see them having sustainable success. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. Um, next team I want to talk about is the other uh, Tigers team in the SEC. That is, of course, Auburn. Auburn 3-1 and one in conference play right now, 13-3 and three on the season. Ken Palm loves Auburn. They have them 19th in the country. Uh, they have, again, only three losses on the year, but they're not great losses quite honestly they lost to usc who's probably not an ncaa tournament team they lost to georgia who is not an ncaa tournament team uh they lost to memphis who is maybe an ncaa tournament team but uh you know not not particularly great losses in terms of wins uh, they have a win over arkansas that's nice that's probably going to age pretty well Uh, but after that florida it's an okay win Uh, so it was a close game uh, they got a win over St. Louis, I guess. Not not a particularly great win there either. So they're kind of an interesting team. Good on, good at home, not particularly good on the road. Uh, obviously, we've talked about their guard play in the past being something uh, a bit inconsistent. It's a horrific shooting team. They're sub thirty percent from three as a team. Uh, again, Ken Palm loves them, but I'm not. I, I got to do some squinting to see this team as a legitimate contender. I'm curious your thoughts. I'm I'm in the exact same boat as you. I, mm-hmm. I checked their Ken Palm. Like I said, I typically like to make the assessment with my eyes and see if the stats support it. Yeah. The stats are kind of fraudulent in my eyes yeah. this time because if you watch this team, there's no way they're the 51st best offensive team. Like the only time they're good mm-hmm. on offense is when they push the pace and that's created yeah. by defense. Mm-hmm. And so if this team plays in a half court, I really have a hard time seeing them win. For instance, I watched that entire Florida game that they won. Yeah. And I felt like Florida was the better team and Florida doesn't, appear in any of these rankings as someone who's going to make the tournament. Right. Yes, they've got their kind of a more talented team that won't make it. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe they can make a late push. But if that's one of your best wins uh, this deep into a season, now you're heading into SEC play. Yeah, I have some problems for you. I think mm-hmm. their best wins are, are, are ones where their matchup helps them because they've got defensively oriented guards against yeah. a team that you can key in on, on having a, a good, uh, like if you can lock down one player, Mm-hmm. Um, they're very dependent on it. So long story short, Auburn Auburn seems like a team that can make the tournament and maybe a pesky team to play. Could yeah. they win a round as like an 8-9? Yes. But but mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine they win more than one round. Yeah. Um, Bruce Pearl's a good coach. Like he really mm-hmm. is. Um, this is another guy that I think could be in the Texas job department. But that said, I, I just don't like the personnel of this team. So you'd really have to do wonders from a coaching perspective and get lucky with matchups to get further than one round into the tournament. Final team I want to talk about here out of the SEC Leaf is the Mississippi State Bulldogs, 12-3 and three on the season, only 1-2 and two in conference play. Again, we're recording before they take on Georgia on the road. Uh, should get a victory there, but, you know, we will see how that shakes out. As of now, they are 46th in Ken Palm, so quite a bit lower than most of the other teams that are on this list. Uh, three losses on the year, but two of them are to Tennessee and Alabama. 
not teams that you would necessarily expect them to win. Now their other losses to Drake, that's the loss that's really dragging them down in a lot of ways. But this team also has a win over Utah, who's a borderline NCAA tournament team. They have a win over Marquette, who is not a borderline NCAA tournament team. They are squarely within the field at this point. So a couple nice wins, one particularly bad loss. Looking at the analytics again, I mean, not even analytics. This is just a bad shooting team. They're just straight up not good at shooting the basketball. 30% from deep. The stat that really that stunned me, I had to recheck it twice. They are shooting 62% from the free throw line this year. 62%. That is horrific from the free throw line. Leaf, curious your thoughts on this team as a pretender or a contender. Uh, I'm firmly on the pretender side of this. I, I watched that Marquette game, and actually I have a lot of chagrin about that because I bet on Marquette, and that was the third leg of my parlay, and that drove me nuts. But um, maybe that, that hasn't really tainted my view, though. If anything, I would be impressed, even though annoyed. But the, they were still – that was such an ugly game where I love watching a good old rock fight, like St. Mary's and, and Virginia. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the teams that play better fundamental basketball yeah. that I appreciate. But if you look at their offensive efficiency, those type of teams are typically top 20 despite yeah. being slow-paced. This mm-hmm. team is slow-paced with players that should be playing quickly, yeah. and they cannot score whatsoever. Defensively, they're number 12 in the nation, and that's going to stay. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, you got to be able to score more than 55 yeah. points a game. Um, and I, that, that's not what they actually score. Right. I'm, I'm just saying in SEC play, they're going to have some some rock fights. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think they went around to the tournament. I, I Honestly, I'm not sure they'll make the tournament. Yeah. Um, but I'll give credit where credit's due. They've they've changed the culture of that team and have made themselves into a, a team that you know what you're getting every night, which mm-hmm. I think is something that's the first step into building a nice program. Uh, because before you watch Mississippi State and you say, well, you know, they got some talented players. Like you got Iverson Molinar, you got Garrison, um, and you got all these guys, but, mm-hmm. but they couldn't figure out how to play together. This team at least has a semblance of a clue how to play together. They just struggle to score. Yep. Well, there are a lot of big games coming up this weekend, Leaf. And for those who like to see or wager on upsets, we cannot miss our favorite segment of the week, which is Upset Watch, coming up next. But first, today's episode is brought to you all by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you have got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know one of my goals is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier but you don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, while including a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk into the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs at Walmart or Sam's today. All right, Lee, final segment of the show. We are closing it out as we always do with Upset Watch. Again, one of my favorite segments. Uh, I wish that we'd been keeping track because I know a handful of us have gotten quite a few of these Upset Watch predictions correct. I know last week we talked about Wisconsin uh, getting upset, and I know that that one happened. There have been a handful of other games we've talked about that ended up happening. Next year, maybe we'll do a scoreboard, and we'll discuss how we all do on these upsets. Uh, I want to let you start it off, Leaf, with one of the upsets that you have uh, projected for this weekend. 
Yeah, I think I'll start off with a team that's riding high after a big win. Virginia topped um, North Carolina last night for, based on when we're recording this. They traveled to Tallahassee, and they're going to face the Seminoles, who have an insurgence of uh, Baba Miller, who's yeah. going to play. Leonard Hamilton's always tough to play for Virginia because they're, they're not a team that scores a ton mm-hmm. um, based off their pace. So the disruption and size of Florida State always remains difficult. And this is a team that's not – like their record's terrible, and there's an old saying, you are what your record says you are. And maybe that's true, but this team is better than what their record indicates and will will get better. So I, I know, I'm not saying this is a, a lock, but this is a team – this is a game that I think will be closer than where the seed lines and records indicate. Yeah, I, I like this pick here. I think it's a solid one. It's – it certainly looks surprising, especially when you consider the, the record for Florida State, but they've obviously uh, gotten a resurgence with Miller back. So it'll be interesting to see how this game shakes out. Uh, my projection here, my first one of two here uh, is, excuse me, Providence on the road against the Creighton Blue Jays. Uh, we talked a lot about Providence on Wednesday's episode uh, of Locked On College Basketball and how great of a job Ed Cooley has done. Uh, Big East, uh, in the Big East, excuse me, Providence is 6-0 and right now. Fantastic start for them. Uh, Creighton, to me, is one of the most dangerous, talented, unranked teams in the country. They're a very, very good squad. Uh, I think that they were over overrated, overranked coming into the season. Uh, People had them top 10. Some people had them top five. And I think because they haven't held up to those standards, people have kind of pushed them aside a little bit. But this is a good, dangerous team. Ryan Kalkbrenner is fantastic when he's healthy and playing well. This team is really, really good. Ryan Nemhard is a fantastic point guard as well. has been a little inconsistent, but has been really solid. I love the job Ed Cooley has done. I like what this Providence team is doing, but 6-0 in the Big East, it's hard to maintain. It's hard to keep winning games. Uh, This is a really tough road environment for the Blue Jays. They're going to pack the house. They're going to be ready to go. Uh, And I think this is going to be a a really, really close game throughout. Uh, And I think there's a good chance that Creighton has enough horses to pull off a victory and kind of start setting their season back on the right track. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And um, I'm not going to go too far into this, but I was looking at that one. The thing about Providence is they play this like methodical execution style of basketball. And Creighton's got just got this horsepower, so you couldn't choose um, two more diversely, uh, uh, diversely. Um, you know, they're both similar programs to the Big East, but they play very differently. Yeah. I love Ed Cooley. I, mm-hmm. I think that'll be an awesome game. I'm certainly tuned into that one. I like that pick. Yeah. What you got next, Leaf? I've got I've got two that I'm not completely sold on, but I think they they would indicate that they shouldn't be that close, but I think they will be. I talked mm-hmm. about Florida as one of the more talented teams that wouldn't make the tournament in my eyes, but I've got them beating Missouri. I think Florida can maintain their pace. They play in, in the swamp. I mean, I know it's a football term, but it's yeah. a tough place to play. Basketball is a big program still, mm-hmm. uh, still a big deal at Florida. And Missouri, like I said, it hasn't been good on the road. They also, for what the Gators are poor at is offense. Uh, Missouri is 176th in defense. I think this is a good matchup for a team in Florida that is relying on Colin Castleton and is starting to get more production uh, spearheaded by Riley Kugel. I, I think this Florida team's a little bit of a sleeping giant in terms of talent. So they're going to find a way to win a few games in the sec. Yeah. I, I like that pick as well. I think Florida is a bit of a dangerous team. I, I'm a big Todd golden fan have, have, have been a big Todd golden fan. It hasn't been a, a great season for them yet, but I think for any Florida fans listening, uh, give them some time. Cause I think that this team's going to turn things around and, and perhaps they'll even do so against Missouri here coming up. 
I'm going to head out to the West Coast for my final projection here uh, on Upset Watch, and that is Arizona heading to Eugene to take on the Oregon Ducks. Uh, it's been a bad season for Dana Altman and the Ducks. There's not really any other way around that. They've dealt with some significant injuries, have been without Nafali Dante for a while, been out, been without Colorado transfer guard Keyshawn Bartholomew for a while. That has really really hurt them. They just finally returned South Carolina transfer guard Jermaine Kuznard. Uh, he's been very good for them in the first couple of games. He's played a, a nice scoring depth option off the bench. Uh, for Oregon, the, the challenges have been the up and down performances from fifth-year senior guard Will Richardson and re- returning guard Rivaldo Soares. Uh, those guys are going to need to have a good game, but uh, it's hard to win games on the road. Even in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 has a tremendous history of cannibalizing themselves and making it so that very few of their teams look particularly appealing heading heading into the NCAA tournament. Arizona is a good team. They're considerably better team than Oregon. Their front court with Umar Balo and Azulis Tubela should be able to handle the Ducks, but maybe maybe we see freshman Kalel Ware step out and have a monster game, a defining game, the kind of game that makes you remember, oh yeah, this is a guy who's expected to go in the lottery. This is a guy who, who might be like, you know, a, a legitimate really, really good NBA center. And he hasn't always looked like that. He's been a little inconsistent so far under Altman, but we've seen Dana's teams kind of turn it around and and hit the Jets in mid-January and February. That's kind of a a hallmark of Dana Altman-led teams. And and what a way to do that than to defeat Arizona at your home court uh, behind a nice game from your freshman center. Yeah, the bigs of Oregon can provide trouble better Mm -hmm. than just about any team in the Pac-12 for Arizona. And just one one real quick one that I forgot to mention. Um, mm-hmm. NC State is a team that I think is dangerous in the ACC, similar to the way Florida is dangerous in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I've got them beating number 16 Miami at NC State. I think mm-hmm. this NC State team has the firepower to score. Obviously, Terquavion Smith is, is the yeah. spearhead of that. They've got other guys who can do it. Started off the season well, hit a bit of a rough stretch, and I think they'll regroup and, and play a good Miami team that's not horribly imposing well. Mm-hmm and give themselves a good chance to win. So that would be the last one I wanted to toss in there. Well, Lee, thanks as always for your insights. We appreciate getting a chance to talk about Kentucky, talk about the SEC, and of course, lay out some of those fun teams for Upset Watch. So appreciate you coming on the show. Of course. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Uh, don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. If you haven't yet, you can check it out wherever you get podcasts. You can find it on YouTube. You can also find the Locked On College Basketball podcast on YouTube. Go search Locked On College Basketball. Hit that big red subscribe button. We very much appreciate it. A fun show coming your way later this week. And, of course, a really fun weekend of basketball. So enjoy it, college basketball fans. And for now, peace out.